Hi, we've come to the end of our study on the Sermon on the Mount. I encourage you to read through the Sermon on the Mount again and again, just to remember what Jesus taught. Let's look at now Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 29. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for how Jesus taught us the way of life, the way of peace, the way of knowing where our treasure is. As we come to the end of this, we ask that you will bring back to our memories as your Holy Spirit has said, as you have said of your Holy Spirit, your Spirit will bring back to our minds the things that you have taught us. That day by day throughout our lives, you will bring back to our memories that which you taught us. Now, Lord, as we read the last part of the Sermon on the Mount, we ask that you cause, give us understanding of your word and of your truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew seven thirteen to 29 Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice it's like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, it's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. After we are done with the Sermon on the Mount, we will begin the adventure of following Jesus, how Jesus healed, how Jesus worked miracles, how Jesus ministered to crowds and to individuals. It will be an exciting journey and there along the way you learn from Jesus how he prays for healing how he hears from God and heals the sick how he sends each of you out the ministry of Jesus and hence our ministry is one of reaching out to the lost to the last 
to the least. And it is filled with miracles and excitement. But here's the important thing to remember. It is not the miracles, it is not the power, it is not even the ability to cast out demons that really matters. As Jesus says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You see, it's not the miracles, the excitement of all that work, of people coming to you and being set free or being healed. These are important. These were part of the ministry of Jesus and they will be a part of our ministry too. But the main point, the most important thing, is that we do the will of our Heavenly Father. Is that we live out that which we learned the last few weeks from the Sermon on the Mount. These must remain in our hearts and in our actions. These are the principles of life. But you know, it will be a lonely journey because many will walk a different way. In fact, when you choose to walk this way, many will say that you are foolish. And then you look out and you say, but all my friends, my Christian friends, my non-Christian friends, even churches seem to walk a different way. I think with great sadness at how the church often walks a different way. It walks the way of aggression, of hostility. We think of the Crusades. We think of how Christians have over the centuries dominated others and crushed others. Even today as we look at Christianity as a whole, that where some parts of Christianity, Christians are being persecuted and live holy, lonely lives, others mass out in, in majorities to oppress minorities. And then we remember what Jesus says, that the way of Christ is not a popular one. It is the narrow gate. It is the, it is the road that, that few will walk through. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter it. And so often you will be perplexed. You will wonder why others are not walking the same way. You may even be criticised for it. Jesus says in verse 15, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly, they're ferocious wolves. These will be the ones who come as Christians, the ones who come as God's anointed and they will lead you astray. And you know making a decision whether to walk in the way of what Jesus taught you or to walk in walk into the broad way is not just a trivial decision. It's not a decision where you say, well never mind then let's just go with the flow. Because it is a matter of life and death, a matter of life and destruction. We must live our lives seriously. We must take our lives seriously. It is not just to be frittered away to say, well, let's just follow everyone else. The way of God, the narrow road, leads to life. The broad road where most will walk leads to destruction. And we have to take this very seriously. How then do we discern? Jesus says that the discernment of the right way or the wrong way is 
very easy. He says, by the fruit, in verse 16, by the fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. What Jesus is saying is that you can recognize these things very easily, whether it is a person who leads or whether it is a teaching or whether it's an idea or a decision. Look at the fruit. What is achieved by it? And you will see whether it is good or not. If the fruit is that of compassion, if the fruit is that of mercy, if the fruit is that of not pressing against someone who is oppressed, someone who needs help, if the fruit is to lift someone who is down, then it is good fruit. If the fruit is that of making peace, reaching out to another because you are ambassador of Christ, then it is good fruit. If the fruit, if what comes out of it is that you love your enemies, you pray for those who persecute you, you care for those who go against you, then it is a good tree. If the fruit you see and the demeanor that it's done is done in meekness, in trusting God to do that which is right, is reaching out to another, then you know it is a good tree. But if the fruit is that of self-aggrandizement or self-benefit or for the self at the expense of others, then you recognize that tree too. It is a bad tree. And so judge each decision, judge each matter by what you see. Not everything that comes in the name of Christ, not everything that comes in the name of the church is a good tree. Look at the fruit. And this is what I want to say, especially not just to individuals, but to church leaders. When we make decisions, the common practice is to look at the majority, and we always say the majority wins, or sometimes worse, the powerful wins, the rich win, the ones with the loudest voice wins. But in the kingdom of God, that's not the way. In fact, the stakes are so important. If we were to make decisions just by, just by the majority, then, as Jesus says, it could be the broad road. All of us could be walking into destruction. And so let me suggest then that as church leaders, we need to listen more to each other and to discern more carefully. Not just to fall to say, well, majority wins. I mean, this is sometimes in our very fast-paced, quick decision way, life, this is the fastest way of dispatching our decisions. But if the decisions result in life or destruction, life and death, then we need to pause and to take our decisions a lot more seriously. This is what the Quakers, the Quakers were not a cult, the Quakers were some of the most earnest Christians. And this was how they did it when it came to large, difficult, complex decisions. They would go for consensus, not majority, but consensus. And they would come together to listen to God, to listen to each other. 
And if there was just one dissenting voice, they would not overpower the dissenting voice by piling pressure on that person and saying, well, you are the only one left. Let's go with our decision. But rather, they would treat each voice with great respect and listen carefully. You know, these days, somehow we often make decisions first and then we look for rationale and reasons to justify our decisions. That would be so dangerous. Listen to why we make a decision, why we came to a conclusion, and then work it out. And listen to the Spirit of God and look at the fruit. Is this fruit a loving fruit, a merciful fruit, a peace-making fruit? compassionate fruit and then we make a decision but in a very partisan world as we live in now where each of us have reasons to push whether it's a reason of pride or reason of our self-interest it is a dangerous situation therefore as individuals especially as church leaders we need to walk the way of Jesus to seek the way of life and when we can begin on that journey, then we can start to listen to each other also, to hear from each other this quiet voice of God that brings, that tells us that which is good. Decision-making is an important role of, for each of us individuals, as well as for the church, because it matters in how we live our lives. We've got to take that seriously. And Jesus, to reinforce what he had said at the beginning of this passage about the way of life and the way of destruction, he talks about building a house upon a rock or on the sand. And that's how important our choice of how we want to live is. Building a house upon the sand may be easy because you don't have to dig a foundation, you just start building. And you seem to get results very well, you seem to get a mansion so built so quickly and so easily building your house upon the rock takes a lot more effort you have to drill down you have to and the rock will offer great resistance and sometimes you don't get the result that you want quickly in fact it may come with a lot of sweat a lot of tears often with much opposition as well but keep burrowing keep building because at the end of the day, it is this life, this choice of attitude that will protect you from the storms of life. So now we've come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. I'd like to end then with by leading you to pray the Lord's Prayer. I hope that by now you have learned to talk to God if you have not at the beginning. It is just a conversation with God, but the Lord's Prayer, actually the Lord's Prayer is more in a reassurance to us as we talk to God. As I mentioned before, that God knows everything about us even before we say anything. And yet God loves to hear our voice, God loves to hear us talk. But talking to God also reinforces in our minds a faith in God. It's like a child who talks to his father and the father smiles and, and thinks, hey, I know everything about what you're saying. And indeed, the parent does, the mother does. But the mother loves to hear the voice of her child. 
the parent then listens. But what happens when the child recites the things that he talks to his parent is that he remembers it himself and he feels assured. So it is in prayer. And so we remember the six elements of the Lord's Prayer, the three that affirms our faith in God and the goodness of God, and the other three that allows tell, talks to God about our needs, our vulnerabilities. So we start. Father, you say that you are our Father. God who knows our needs. God, you know we need security. We need joy, we need peace. We want to face each day with enjoyment. And God, we thank you that you know all these things. And you fill our lives with good things. Help me now, Lord, as I think back of the day that has passed, to remember how you paved my way, how you poured my way with your blessings. So now take some time to bring your mind back to the day before, 24 hours before that, and think of how God has blessed you. Were there conversations that were so uplifting to you? Were there acts of kindness that brought joy to you? Was there good news, news of things that were beautiful? Did you see lovely things along the way? Did you get deep insights from the Word of God as you read the Bible? Pause and relive some of these events. And as you do so, may you be reminded of how God knows that you need joy, you need enjoyment, you need pleasure. Not the kind that we've been seeking in the past, but different kind of pleasure, the one that causes your heart to leap. And then thank God for each of these blessings. God is indeed a Father who knows your every need and will give you the desires of your heart. Perhaps you may want to pause this recording and spend some time thinking, reflecting on how God blessed you the day that has passed. And then now we continue. Father, indeed you are to be revered. You are the Holy One. Teach us, Lord, to bow before you and to long to be holy as you are holy. And you said that about doing good to those who hurt us, praying for those who persecute us, loving our enemies. You taught us, Lord, these things that we do good all the time because you are a holy God. You are a good God. Help me today to live a holy life. A life that reflects who you are. A life that draws people to you as your representative. And God, you 
you are God who knows my future. I want your will to be done. There are many other things that many things that I may want my way, but God, I can't see way ahead of myself. I don't know what will happen the next moment, the next second, the next day. I wouldn't demand my way, I wouldn't insist on my way because I don't even know what I'm insisting on or the consequences of what I want. But God, you know the way ahead. And even if the way ahead is a way of pain and failure, I know that it is temporary, I know that it it leads to a joyful end. And so God, I commit my ways and my life and my future to you, knowing that, believing and trusting that you know best in all things. And God, I want to bring to you now my needs, my anxieties. Today I'll be having a few meetings and I want each meeting to be so filled with your grace I want you to bless each of my meetings, that the things that I say may be a blessing to others, may minister to others. Even, Lord, when it's a dry, secular board meeting, I want the words that I say, my demeanour, to be encouragement to others. Lord, I bring these meetings to you. God, there are also difficult people that I will meet today. Difficult conversations I have to make. And God, I pray first that you teach me how to love those I face today. The ones who may say awful things to me, I pray that you will teach me how to love them with a genuine love. That you teach me how to be meek and yet to trust that you have my best interests and you're watching my back. And so God, I bring to you each of these needs and I'm grateful that you hear me. But Father, I'm also very worried about, very regretful of the things that I've done the past day. Since I committed the thoughts that I had Thoughts that disdained others, thoughts that were selfish, thoughts that looked down on others, thoughts that were arrogant. I'm sorry for these, Lord. I ask that you forgive me. And God, there were others who hurt me as well. Others who were not too nice to me, who were mean to me. And God, I want to forgive them lay them before you and to say, God, you bless them. Give to them the best. And finally, Lord, I come to recognize my own vulnerabilities to sin. And I pray, Lord, lead me away from temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. I know that throughout the day I will be tempted in many, many ways. Tempted to be unfaithful to my calling, unfaithful to those around me. Tempted to be arrogant. Tempted to be untrustworthy. 
tempted Lord to choose the easy way to walk the broad way Father you know where I'll be most sorely tempted I pray Lord that you lead me away from temptation that at the end of my day I may look back at my life and say God thank you thank you that you delivered me from the evil one that I lived a life following you Father let this be my day today I pray in Jesus name Amen Do take time to continue to talk to God because it will be of greatest joy to you Well then, meet you all again tomorrow God bless and have a great day